You're listening to the Cornerstone Family Worship Center podcast. Making disciples, building community, and growing together in faith and love. We are in a series right now. This is the second uh, part of a series, 2020 Vision. And a lot of people are talking about 2020 Vision right now. A lot of pastors and prophets are out there and uh, they're speaking about uh, the, the vision for this year. And as I said last, last week, I'm not so much as casting a vision for the year, but I'm, I'm trying to get us to focus in on having uh, good spiritual eyesight. Amen. And good spiritual hearing. So last week I talked about 2020 vision. And, and that means uh, when we're speaking at least uh, of our natural eyesight, uh, it has to do with visual. Do you guys know that word? Remember that word? Visual acuity. See, I taught you that last week if you didn't know it. So now you're going to remember it because I'm going to drive that home. Visual acuity is that test that you go to take when you have your eyes examined. And that's what they're looking for, your visual acuity, to see how, how sharp your vision is. And uh, how that word acuity can be applied not only to our vision, but also to our hearing and our thinking. Amen? So just to refresh our memory of the definition of the word acuity... It is, uh, acuity has to do with the sharpness or keenness of thought, vision, or hearing. How keen it is, how, how, how good your hearing or sight is. So this year we're going to apply ourselves to develop our spiritual acuity, our sharpness, our spiritual sharpness. So to become more keenly aware of our thoughts, what's going through this brain of ours, amen? How we think in line with the Bible, to be more able to hear what God is speaking to our hearts in the spirit, and to be able to see things in the spiritual realm. Can you imagine if we could just see things in the spiritual realm right now, as we see with our physical eyesight, if we could see the spiritual dimensions that are around us, the spiritual activities that are going on around us all the time, and we're not even aware of it. Amen? We're not cognizant of it. Amen? So we're going to deal with uh, all three of these things as we go along, but let's just pray this morning. Amen? Lord, as we come before you today, we open up our hearts and we ask you, Lord, to look deep within us. And Lord, we're desirous of of your word and of fulfilling your word and of knowing you in a greater way than we've ever known you before. To be able to see more keenly than ever before things in the spirit. 
to be able to hear your voice speaking to us more clearly than ever before. I need that, Lord. I need that in my life. And these who are gathered here together today would say amen to that, that they need that as well. So that's what we ask you to to do as we open our hearts to your holy word and seal your word in our hearts today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week I referred to this, and this is our text for today. It's very short. You can turn there if you want to, or just make a quick note of it. John chapter 10, I, I think we have it up there for you. John chapter, chapter 10, verse 27, where Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. You can kind of turn that uh, sentence around a little bit and say, My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me, and I know them. Amen. It's the same meaning, but uh, that's what it is that we're supposed to do. When we hear his voice, we're to follow his leading. Amen. And so we know that we're not talking about an audible voice all the time, but you could hear an audible voice. Some people have said that they were walking along and they heard a voice behind them say, turn here. You know, and, and they, they turned and they diverted themselves from some kind of trouble. Uh, so you may hear an audible voice. God may speak to you in that way. He may speak to you in visions and in dreams and many ways that God would speak to us. But more times than not, he will speak to us by way of an unction in our spirit. And so what I'm talking about is trying to become more keenly aware of that unction, more keenly aware of God's leading. Amen. Because God, sometimes we have stuff in our head, you know, thoughts in our head that are good. And, and we feel like we got to say it because it's a good thought and it's in our head. But God may say, shut up. Don't say that. Yes. Uh, in a politer way. I mean, he wouldn't just say, just shut up. But he, he would say, hold your peace. You know, you don't have to say that. Just because you know that, you don't have to say that. I have a hard time right there. I don't know about you. But that's what I was talking about earlier, about controlling your tongue, right? Amen. So at the time, I'm going to back us up a little bit. At the time of our conversion, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior at all, at the time of our conversion, we heard Jesus. We heard Jesus. Uh, it is through repentance of sin and placing our faith, our trust, and our hope Christ alone for our salvation. Amen? Our eternal salvation. And in one way or another, God spoke to your heart. That you needed Jesus. Now you, again, you may have heard an audible voice. Uh, the apostle Paul was knocked down to the ground. And the Lord spoke to him in, in a very clear way. Amen. Uh, some people have had that kind of a drastic experience. Other people uh, came in, in other various ways. But in one way or another, God spoke to your heart that you needed Jesus. Amen. You can think back to that day. Hopefully each and every one of us can, whether you can name the date and time or whatever, you know that there was a certain place in your life when you knew that God was drawing you by his Holy Spirit and in whatever way it was that he revealed himself to you, he spoke to your heart. Amen. And you clearly heard his call and you responded. Amen. So once we're born again, 
And we hear that call or we have that unction and we respond to it. Once we're born again, is this the extent of our hearing his voice and following him? There are a lot of people that do believe that. That's it. It's all done. It's all over at that point. In other words, we have uh, now reached our destiny. No, not at all. We have not reached our destiny at the point of conversion. We have just entered into a wonderful relationship with the Lord and we're now following him. We hear his voice. We heard his voice. We responded. We were saved. We still want to hear his voice and respond and walk in the pathway that he has for us. Amen. Because the pathway that God has for you is always good. It's always good. You say, well, Pastor Mike, you don't know the path that I've been on. If you're following the voice of the Lord, it's always good. I followed the voice of the Lord in this matter, and it didn't turn out so good. As far as you can see, that may be true. But in the spiritual realm and what's going on around you, if you followed the voice of the Lord, it was good. It was good. Listen, Jesus told his disciples, get in the boat, guys. We're going to go across the sea to the, other, to, uh, to the land on the other side. They obeyed him. They were in full obedience to his word. They heard Jesus speak and followed. Got out there in the middle of the sea and what happened? A storm. You know, uh, their lives were in jeopardy. You know, and you got to know that if you were one of those guys on that, on that boat, you probably had a thought, if you didn't say it out of your mouth, Lord, why is all this happening to us? Uh, we just followed what you said to do, right? Amen. Remember Gideon, when the Lord was dealing with him, he says, hey, if you're, if you're our God and, you, you know, why are we in this fix? Sometimes we bring that stuff upon ourselves as the Israelites did in that occasion. But uh, <clears throat> we're on a spiritual journey with the Lord. So the second thing that I, I want to uh, address is that as Christians, we can still choose. We, we chose to follow Jesus when he called. Amen. Are you a Christian today? Raise your hand if you're a Christian. Hallelujah. Amen. So somewhere along the line, you responded and you became a Christian. You weren't born a Christian, right? right. You were born again to be a Christian. Amen. So as Christians, we can still choose to think and act carnally or to think and act spiritually. I, I addressed that last week in the message about being a spiritual baby. We're not going to go over all of that again, but, but there are a lot of people who are just spiritual babies. They get saved, and that's as far as they go with the Lord. I want to go farther than that. I want to know him in a greater way than that. I want to open my heart up so he can speak to me, and I get to a place where I can just hear him all the time. All the time, every time. Because he's always going to lead you to a good place. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verses 6 through 8, in the King James, Paul reminds the uh, Corinthian, uh, the Roman Christians, excuse me, to, for to be carnally minded is death. To be minded with the things of the flesh and of this world and material things, to just be so focused on all of that, it's death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's an enemy of God. It's contrary to the word of God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. 
You can't please God working from the flesh. Amen. God gives us the choice to be one or the other. Spiritually mature, spiritually attuned, or to remain carnal babes. That choice is yours. That choice is yours. You can stay a baby Christian if you want to. You can stay a carnal Christian giving in to the lust of your flesh if you want to. Or you can be a spiritually mature person following after the Lord and the word Lord. What did God set before Adam and Eve? Life and death. And what did they choose? Chose death. I want to talk to them about that someday. Because the curse that is upon this world and, and their children after them, and we're all children of Adam and Eve. Doesn't make any difference what ethnicity we are. We all bleed the same blood. And we're sons and daughters of Adam and Eve in this flesh understanding of things. But they lost uh, something that they had with the Lord at that point in time. So they chose death. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 to 19, God clearly gives to the Israelites the choice of being blessed or cursed. Stop and think about this as we read this. God is giving to them the choice. It's like God standing right here today and saying, Don Mullet, I'm going to give you a choice. You can choose life or you can choose death. It's all in your hands. Now that talks about free will. Amen? That God has given to man a free will to choose. He doesn't just pick some people and say, you're going to go to hell and some other people and you're going to go to heaven. That's the way that some people do believe. We don't believe that. I, I do not believe that. I don't subscribe to that at all. And it's very clear right here in this passage of scripture that God gives to people a choice. So he said to the Israelites, see, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land, whether thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, we're, we're talking about listening and hearing, but if thine heart turn away so that thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce, you, I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish and that you shall not prolong your days upon the earth, whether thou, goest to, whether thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your seed may live. Amen. Carol, God sets before you this same thing. He gives you the choice. It's in your hands. You choose the way of life or the way of death.
Melissa, God gives to you that choice. You can say, well, do I want blessing or do I want curses? The choice is yours. Cooper, the choice is yours, man. You can be blessed or you can live underneath the curse. Now, do I need to go through everybody here? I think we all get the drift, right? I don't want to scare Sherry right now. (laughs) We all understand what he was saying here. I'm putting these things before you so that you might choose whether to be blessed or not. Amen? Maybe some things have changed from the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, to the New Covenant and the New Testament. But this has not changed. God gives us the right and the privilege to choose to be blessed or to be cursed. Think of that. He gives you as an individual that responsibility, that privilege, that, uh, that right to be able to choose for yourself which direction you want to go in. He also gives us as a nation the choice as a nation. Especially in this nation that we live in because we get a chance to cast a vote. There are some nations that don't have that. Amen? But uh, we get an opportunity to choose blessing or cursing. Good or bad. So God gives the right and the privilege to choose blessing or curses, good or bad. So in this regard, you could say that God is pro-choice. Not according to the standards of this world. We understand what, what I'm talking about here, right? Yes. The world has a different understanding of that term, pro-choice. But you could say, in line with what we're talking about here today, God gives to you and he gives to me the, the opportunity, the privilege, and the joy of cho- choosing whether we want to be blessed or not. Amen. In other words, God allows us to make choices in our lives that will lead us to death, destruction, and ruin, or to life and peace with him. Wow. You know, as the saying goes, that seems to be a no-brainer. Who would consciously say, I want to be cursed in my life? I want to live under the cloud of darkness and doom and sin and and wickedness. I want to end up in eternal hell and destruction. Who in their right mind would make that choice? I got to say that there are a lot of people in this world that are not in their right mind because that's what they choose. And I chose that pathway myself for a long, long time. And so did you. God allows us to make choices in our lives. Some of us have chosen a good a job that we thought was going to be good for us, but it ended up not working out. That was a bad choice. Some of us cho- chose spouses that didn't work out for us. Not a good choice. Amen? We, it, it can get right down to buying a used car. You made a choice to buy that car and it was a junker. Amen. Ended up eating a whole lot of money out of your checkbook, right? And you'd look back at it and say, you know what? That wasn't a real good choice of mine. Amen. 
And every one of those things we can present before the Lord and we can ask his direction, his guidance. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to everyone who asks him. And he won't make fun of you. He won't look at you and say, again, you're coming to me for wisdom again? Yes, over and over and over again, he says, come to him. But don't, don't waver and don't doubt. Once you pray that, let, let God lead you and guide you and give you the wisdom you need. But some of us have made some bad choices in our lives. Amen. Uh, so, but, it's, but God always allows us to make the choice. So you can choose life and peace if you want to, or you can choose to be cursed. Yes, a woman can choose to abort her baby. God gives to her the freedom to choose that. A free will of whether you want to do that or not. But that doesn't mean that it is right to do. Let's understand that. You may have the choice to do that. But it doesn't mean that it's right to do and that God is going to bless that decision. And a lot of people have gone that way. Uh, We have over 60 million uh, children and that has involved uh, 60 million women and 60 million men as well that sometimes we don't even talk about. But uh, it's a choice that God gives to us to freely make. Yes, you can choose to cheat on your spouse and to break your marriage vows through infidelity. Every married person in this room right now, you have the choice to do that if you want to do it. But it is a sinful and wrong activity. And God cannot bless such actions. He can't bless that. That's what Paul was saying. He cannot. He cannot do that. We cannot please God by doing those things that are carnal, of the carnality, of the carnal nature. There's no way that we can do those things and be blessed of God. Any sexual act outside of the marriage between one man and one woman is illicit and unlawful before God. Now, society may have accepted this. There was a time when, uh, uh, when, when that was called adultery when a man cheated on his wife or fornication when it was sex outside of marriage. Today, it's just an affair. You know, we changed the wording on it so it doesn't sound so bad. You know, it's more palatable. An affair. And so uh, I want to clarify it and say it again, because sometimes people think that we pick on the homosexuals too much today. But here's the truth of God's word. Any sexual act outside of the marriage bond between a man and a woman is illicit and unlawful before God. So that covers all of that. If you're fornicating, repent and quit doing that. If you're cheating on your spouse, repent and don't do that. 
If you're living a homosexual lifestyle or a lesbian lifestyle, quit that. It's not of God. And it's a choice that you get to, you get to make. God says, make the choice. Make the choice. It's you're free to make that choice. You can choose to lie. You can choose to cheat. You can choose to steal. But there will be consequences to such choices. Amen? And that's what we want to understand when we're talking about spiritual things and we're talking about the Word of God. I want to choose that which God says is right and good and wholesome and, and is a blessing, a pathway of blessing for my life. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 says, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Don't be deceived about this either. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's just a little short list there in in one little paragraph that God in his word has revealed to mankind that these who practice these sinful ways shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a very sobering thought. And you may have been in one of those places at one point in time in your life. As a matter of fact, the the scripture goes on to say, and such were some of you, right? Come on. And such were some of you. I, I, I may have been that myself one day. But thank God that he turned me around. Thank God that he called. Thank God that he spoke. Thank God that I heard his voice and I came. Amen? And you can say the same thing yourself. Amen. I remember Mary was teaching. (laughs) She was teaching her Sunday school teachers as the Christian ed director. And my my wife has a, a way of saying things sometimes that really get to the point. And she was talking about sexual sin and, you know, being pure and keeping your life holy before the Lord. And she says, uh, we may not have always thought that way. She says, I was a whore. <laughs> and, and everybody there about dropped their jaws, you know. And uh, she said, she says, I wasn't a prostitute out on the streets selling my body. She said, but I slept around. You, you've always been pretty, dear. Thank you. You're still very pretty. But the point that she was making was we try to gloss it over and we try to call it something that it's not. And we try to make it more palatable. Oh, they're just living together. They're fornicating. They're living in sin. And so she was, she was at least honest enough to admit there was a time that she lived that lifestyle. Thank God we're not living it anymore. Amen. There was a time when you may have thought that abortion was acceptable. Or you might have felt like you were in such a jam that you had no other way out. And you had to make that decision. 
That's gone and that's done and that's in your past. But if you repent before the Lord God Almighty, that is blotted out just like her sins were blotted out. I was a drunkard. I was a druggie. I was a, you know, I was not a very nice guy when the Lord got a hold of me. I know you look at me right now and think, no way. This is just... You know, some of you, you look at each other and, you, and somebody says, yeah, I used to smoke three packs of cigarettes a day. And you just can't even imagine them having a cigarette in their hand. You know, you go, really? But that's, the Lord has cleaned us up, folks. And so that's why, you know, Paul says after he reads that, after he writes that little list there, these shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If we're practicing these sins, we have no... Uh, no possibility of, accept, of, of being accepted of God until we repent. And that's when Paul said, and such were some of you. Implying that we're not that any longer. Amen. So you can choose all of these lifestyles. You can choose to cheat and to lie and to steal and all of these things. But no one understand that there are consequences to such choices. Uh, God will even allow you to choose to blaspheme his holy name, if you desire to do that. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, in the King James says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Amen. But he'll allow you to do that. He'll allow you to shake your fist and defy whether he even exists or not. And some atheist may do that and then say to you, you know, say, well, if, God, if there's really a God, let him strike me dead right now. And then he looks at you and he says, see, I'm still here. It proves there is no God. No, it proves a merciful, loving, kind patient God that he didn't just squash you right then and there on the spot but he's, he's wooing you by his Holy Spirit and drawing you unto himself I choose to be blessed I choose to be blessed with that free will that God has given unto me I choose to be a blessed man I choose to be a blessed husband I choose to be a blessed father. I choose to be a blessed Christian, a blessed minister unto you. I choose that. That's my choice. I don't know about you, but I want to make choices that lead me in the pathway of life. Life, not death and destruction. I want to continue to hear Christ's voice. Not only did I hear him as he drew me unto salvation, but from that time to this, I, my heart has been open to trying to hear his voice all along the way. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. They follow me. As I left off in this message last week, <clears throat> To know the Lord and to know his voice and to see him clearly and to hear his voice clearly, it only comes through intimacy. Intimacy with him. It's not about trying to jump through all of the hoops and say, well, because I don't do this sin or I'm, not, I'm trying not to do this sin or I'm doing this and I'm doing that. It's not about what you're doing. 
It's about who he is in your life and what your relationship is to him in your life. Amen. And intimacy comes by spending time with someone. You don't become even just intimate friends with each other unless you spend time with people. Amen. You can't truly be a friend to someone. You can be an acquaintance. You can be someone who you've met along the way and you can know certain things about them. But there are things that you'll never know about them until you decide to become intimate friends. And when you become intimate friends, you're there for each other whenever. Amen. It's the old uh, saying, uh, I've got your back kind of thing. When you got a friend like that, that you're walking in that kind of fellowship and that kind of intimacy with, they've got your back and you've got theirs. Amen. But again, it's a choice. It is a choice. So God is asking you and he's asking me if we're willing to spend that time with him to become intimate. That we position ourselves in a way in our life that we grow more intimately with him. I need that more than anything else. I need, I need to draw near to the Lord more than anything else. It's not about my performance as a pastor. It's not about your performance as a Christian. It's about your relationship with your heavenly father. Most important thing. Most important thing in our lives. This was the desire of the Apostle Paul. This was his heart's desire. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. The Apostle Paul in another place said, I die daily. I die daily. Die to this flesh daily. Die to the lust of my flesh daily. Amen. I can't think of anyone throughout history, the history of the church, who had more knowledge of Christ than the Apostle Paul. I don't know of anyone. Yet he wanted to know him. Kind of a strange statement, isn't it? For such a guy who knew the Lord so intimately that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. He wanted to experience the fullness of resurrection power in his life. Stop and think about that. The God who made this entire universe, the God who's put the stars in space and called things forth that were not, that never existed before, and all of a sudden he calls them into existence. That God, that God raised Jesus up, his son from the dead. Amen. And that same resurrection power is now living in every Christian's heart. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know by way of experience the fullness of what that means. The fullness. Of, oh, yeah, we could figure it out. We could theologically, you know, write it down on a piece of paper. It means thus, 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 and thus. But I'm talking about living in the reality of the power of that resurrection. And I believe that that's what Paul was getting to 
when he made that statement. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fullness of that power. And then he said, even the fellowship of his sufferings. To know and understand the heart of God. You know, when God looks down at mankind and he sees the sinful condition of this world, it breaks his heart. We sing a little chorus around here. Break my heart, Lord, for the things that break your heart. Help me to see things as you see them. Help me to see people as you see them. Help me to respond to people as you would respond to them. Help me to love like you love. Amen. And so he says, I want to know him and in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship even of his sufferings. Think about this. With all of the knowledge in this world that we have of God, from history, from scientific discoveries, through technology, and from nature, all of the things that we collectively as mankind know about God. It's just phenomenal what he has revealed to us about himself. We have received such a vast amount of knowledge of God, yet we have only scratched the surface of really knowing him in his fullness. Think about that. They don't even know. They used to think that, uh, that the Milky Way was the center of our universe. And I think it, you know, I, I think it was the early 1900s, maybe, if I'm not mistaken, or possibly the late 1800s. Uh, Brother Wayne, you might know this with your telescope stuff, Maury. I know you look at the stars. Uh, but they, they only thought that the universe was our little Milky Way, which has millions of stars in it. But then they found out that there were other galaxies just like that. And then Hubble that came up with the, the telescope to be able to say, see even further than all of that, they have found now that there are just billions of galaxies just like ours. Wow! And that God lives in you. That God who did all of that lives inside of you and me as Christians. Amen. That is so powerful and so awesome. It's just, wow. So it is reasonable to want to know God in a greater way. It's reasonable to say, I don't know all there is to know about God yet. Now, there are some people who, who they just tell you there's everything that they, everything they know about God. You know, they've got it all down pat. As a matter of fact, there are some people that, uh, that, that say, well, to, to, to pray that would be a negative prayer. It's a negative confession. This is years ago. Everybody had a negative confession of this and a negative confession of that. And, uh, you know, that would be a negative confession. Don't you already know him? Yeah, but I don't know him to the fullness of who he is. I don't know everything there is to know about him. So why wouldn't it be a reasonable prayer to say, God, I want to know you. I want to know you and in the fullness of the power of your resurrection. Amen. I was thinking yesterday at Daniel's wedding as the minister was reading the vows and they were exchanging their vows to each other. I was thinking of that era of uh, uh, 
the positive confession. And, and don't get me wrong, there are things about the word of God that we need to, posit- to positively confess. But I, 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 as he was reading the words and he says, uh, uh, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in health and in sickness, till death us do part. And I remember some people say, oh, no, 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 no. You don't want to say that. You don't want to say that because you're making a negative confession over your marriage. And you don't want sickness and you don't want, you don't want poverty and you don't want this and that. As if to say, because you said those words, you're just going to make that happen in your life. Guess what? You're going to get sick somewhere along the line because the enemy is going to attack your body. And, and if he does, you want your spouse to be right there with you. When one falls, another one's there to pick him up. Amen. When I've been hobbling around here with this hip surgery, uh, she's fulfilling her vow. Yeah, and you should get double reward for it too, girly. She's fulfilling her vow. She stood before God and witnesses to say that if this man ever gets sick, I'm going to stand by his side. It's not a negative confession. It's very positive. It's all how you look at it, I guess. Amen. So I'm going to put a challenge to you this week. And as we close... Uh, Close the service. Don't, don't skip church next week and, and, and say, oh, he's going to check me on the challenge and see if I did it. But I'm going to put a challenge before you. Take a chair at home. Put it in the middle of a room. No, no books around. No Bible around. No nothing around. Just you. Sitting in a chair and waiting in the presence of the Lord. Determine not to let any thought enter into your mind except thoughts of God and His Word. Do this literally because you're going to see something that you may have never thought. How many of you are distracted sometimes when you're praying? How many of you are always distracted when you're praying? Amen. Distractions, distractions, distractions. They're all around us all the time. And even in our prayer closet, when we go into this place where we want to just be alone with the Lord, we got, we got, we're being bombarded by all kinds of thoughts. So I'm asking you to do this. Try this. Make a concentrated effort to not think about anything else but God. I'm not talking about just rambling off scriptures. Uh, I'll keep my mind on the Lord if I just keep saying scripture. But no, 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 just shut your mouth and wait in his presence. And just keep your mind. We're talking about your mind, not your mouth. Your mind. Keeping your mind on the Lord. Let, do not let your mind be distracted in any way. Try this. I mean, really try to do this. And as soon as some other thought comes into your mind, get it out of there. It can be a good thought. It can be about, you know, just going out to dinner tonight with your wife or your husband. Or what are we going to do, you know, tomorrow? Or what do we, you know, how are we going to pay this bill or that bill? Or just, you know, things that can come into your mind. They might be good things. There might not be evil thoughts. I won't ask you for a 
show of hands here, but answer it within yourself. How many of you have had an outright just evil thought come into your mind? I'll raise my hand. I'll raise both of my hands. And you wonder, where in the world did that thought come from? I've had young Christians come to me and say, Pastor, I, I don't even think I'm saved. I say, why? Because I, I had such a terrible thought come into my mind. What'd you do with it? Well, I, I got my mind off. I said, that's good. Because those thoughts are going to come. So as soon as some other thought comes into your mind, even if it's a good thought about something, get it out of there just so that you can focus on seeking God's face. You know, a good thing to even ask is, Lord, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean to seek your face? Am I looking for a facial uh, uh, figure? What, what does that mean? Just ask the Lord that. Lord, teach me what it means to seek your face. Amen. Do this for 15 minutes. I challenge you. You say, Pastor Mike, I don't think I can go for five minutes. Listen to me. Just keep doing it. Every time a thought comes, just get your mind back on what you're doing. Every time, and they may come every 15 seconds or less than that. Just keep putting your mind right back on the Lord. This is a challenge to you. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm challenged. Anytime that I try this myself, it's like, wow. That's when you really can see how distracted we are as individuals. That we can't even keep our mind on, on one thing, even though that one thing is God Almighty himself. We can't keep our minds on him without being distracted. I'll close with one last verse, and I don't think I put it up there for you, but you can jot it down. Some of you are familiar with this, where Paul says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of of Christ. Now you look at me and you hear that challenge. You say, Pastor Mike, that is just impossible. Well, you just called God a liar. What? Yeah, the word of God says to do this. Every thought. So that tells me that there is a plateau, plateau in Christ that I have not obtained yet. I don't know about you. I'm not there yet. I'm not even close to that. But it seems that God is saying through his word that every thought that comes to your mind that's not of God, you can get rid of it. You can cast it down. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, get rid of it out of your life. If you're flirting in your mind with just thoughts of something that's not of God, get rid of it. Because that flirtation will lead you to the next step. And you'll cross over that line and you will have sinned against the Lord. James says, lust will lead you to sin, and sin will lead you to death. And, as we have said today throughout this message, that choice is yours. You can choose that, and I can choose that. So, accept my challenge, if you would, please. And I'm preparing us... Uh, in this series of message, messages to sharpen and to develop our spiritual senses to be able to discern the things of God, to be able to rightly know 
what is of God and what is not of God. And that we will hear the voice of Jesus and we will follow the voice of Jesus. Doesn't matter what your, what your family says about it. Doesn't matter what your uh, fellow workers at work think about it. Doesn't matter what society says about it. What is God saying to you? Do that. Follow him. Amen. There's a world around us that exists which we cannot see with our naked eye and with our natural eye. Yet, it is more real than that which we can see. I'm going to show you that in the next couple of weeks. That this realm, this spiritual realm that is around us, is more real than what we see with our eyes. Because the enemy can trick us by what we see. But what is real is what God sees. And what God says is real. Amen? There's a spiritual realm around us that is more real than that which our natural eyes can see. And we're going to be dealing with that. Amen? So don't miss next week. Let's stand. Don't miss next week. Because we're going to develop. Everybody say develop. Develop. We said it last week. We're going to develop this spiritual uh, stamina, if you want to call it that, or strength in our, in our uh, lives. We're going to develop that as we walk with the Lord. And all of us are in some place in our spiritual journey. If you're not a Christian, then you need to walk over that threshold and, and give your life to Christ and become a Christian. If you are a Christian, then you want to grow in that relationship with Christ. Amen? If you've been a Christian and you've followed the Lord in the past, but you've drifted away from him, then this is the time to get back. Just like I said with those thoughts. Yeah, you may have a thought. Pull it aside. Get it down. Get out of there. Get it out of there. You may have fallen away. That's true. But get back on track. Get back on track right now. Amen.